This conference will now be recorded. So good morning. Welcome to the Big Book Anon Workshop. My name's Tim. I'm an alcoholic and an addict and an anon and lots of other things. We please have a moment's silence um, to remember why we're here. This workshop is for members of Al-Anon, S-Anon or other Anon fellowships or those interested in the subject matter. We will examine the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous as they can be practiced to solve the problems arising out of alcoholism or addiction in someone we are close to. We're not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Our views are our own and do not reflect the position taken by any particular 12-step fellowship. This is not a substitute for membership of or attendance of a 12-step fellowship. We aim merely to share our experience, uh, strength and hope. If that experience is beneficial, we are pleased. Each week, a number of presenters will present on the step in question. There will then be room for questions and answers plus discussion. The sessions will last an hour or so. During each session, send the organisers any questions you have using the chat function. We're recording this session. Audio recordings of the workshop plus written materials are made available at the workshop blog. Links are posted during this meeting. Today we're examining, let me just get the official name of the topic up. Where is it? Um, step four, resentment inventory, bridge passage and forgiveness. I'll start off by giving a formal presentation of my understanding of the step. There will then be other speakers who will go into more detail about how their experience informs their understanding of the step. If you give me a moment, I'll just share the relevant screen. Now, there's an awful lot for us to get through today. It's only two pages of the big book, but it contains the entire solution to all emotional disturbance. So, as you'll probably agree, that's quite a big topic. So I'll do my best to, to whip through it as quickly as possible, but give other people a chance to share as well. Um, so I apologise in advance if it's a little lengthy. As I say, there's a lot of material. Before we start, we're on page 65. If you're a good student and want to get your little book out and your highlighter, I, I know I always do. Um, so, little prayer before we start. Cause me to have all the honesty, open-mindedness, willingness I may need here and now. I ask for the guidance, love and wisdom that I need to work through this process and gain the most I can at this time. I am as willing as I can be to set aside everything I even think I know about this area, this way of life, so that my chances for an open mind and to be teachable are better so that I may realize your three spiritual gifts, awake, awakening to you to be the love I am and to be the individual you created me as. Thank you. So, um, the bits in blue are from the big book. The bits in black are my notes. They're just my notes, that's all they are. There's no authority to them, they're just my notes. So we went back through our lives. This is bottom of 65. Uh, in my experience, it's best to start inventory with today and work backwards. My memory is better for what happened in the last 20, 24 hours than what happened in 1987, memorable as, as that year may have been. Um, uh, and also, what's going on today usually presents much more of a problem in my life. Um, my purpose of taking step four is to remove the blocks today. So let's start with what bothers me today. Um, next slide, nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. Now this is terribly important. Um, uh, we aim to ask all the right questions um, across the whole of our lives in step four. And our job is to answer the question uh, honestly, which means it's got to be a proper answer to the question. It can't be a diversion or a distraction or 
general rambling on some other related but fascinating topic. It's got to be an answer to the question. But basically, that's all we're after here, is to undertake a thorough examination um, and answer the questions honestly. Um, if I'm asking myself the right questions, I'm being thorough. Uh, if I don't hurry myself, I've got to give the questions a little time to breathe. Uh, sometimes the first thing that comes to mind is not the truth. Sometimes it's the fourth thing. Um, next bit. When we were finished, we considered it carefully. <laughs> the first thing apparent was that this world and its people were often quite wrong. To conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got. The usual outcome was that people continued to wrong us and we stayed sore. Sometimes it was remorse and then we were sore at ourselves. But the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. As in war, the victor only seemed to win. Our moments of triumph were short lived. So what's interesting here, uh, when, when I'm taking inventory and I discover uh, everything that everybody else has been doing wrong, the book does not say, oh, you're supposed to say that they're right, that what they're doing is fair or moral or effective or reasonable is not it may not be the first thing apparent was that this world and its people were often quite wrong quite in american english can uh, in contrast to british english can mean absolutely wrong to conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got i don't know one of my favorite ways of spending a day is just to meditate on what everybody else is doing wrong and it's it's delicious you know to be so right on so many matters all at once where it's all absolutely clear all absolutely black and white the usual outcome was that people continued to wrong us and we stayed sore if that's all i do life will never change i will go around in circles and it doesn't matter if my problem is with myself. If I've got a problem with you or a problem with me, it's a problem. The more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. And we've got to remember the delusion which was talked about on page 61, that uh, if only everybody would do as I say, I'm paraphrasing here, then I'd be fine. So fighting to get the world to do what I want it to do, to get other people to do what I want them to do. Even if I succeeded and they did what I want them to do, I wouldn't be happy anyway. And that's the fundamental idea of the program, that my happiness doesn't depend on you. It depends on my attitude to you. So you don't have to change. You don't have to get better. You don't have to get well for me to be entirely OK. Um, if you want to change the world to make yourself happy, you're going to have a, you're going to have your work cut out. There are a lot of people out there. I don't know if you've counted them, but apparently there are over seven billion. You've got to get seven billion people to behave exactly the way you want them to behave or there's going to be trouble. It's never going to work. Let's give it up now. The catchphrase is this. It's easier to put on slippers than to carpet the whole world. So the rest of today is going to be about how to put on slippers. Now, this doesn't mean this is just an aside. This doesn't mean that we don't sometimes take vigorous action in the world. Of course, we have to, because that may be God's will. But it's rather like if a cleaner is sent in to clean a flat, the cleaner doesn't get angry about the dirt. He just cleans it. He just removes it. He just does what needs to be done. He doesn't shout at the dirt. He just removes. So if I need to do stuff in the world, fine. There's no need for me to get emotionally involved and upset. That doesn't, an upset cleaner doesn't necessarily clean better. Um, and the big lesson from the first three columns of the resentment inventory is I'm resentful not because of what other people have done, but because of my demands. So just to recap, in case anyone's a bit rusty, to have resentment, I've got to have two thoughts in my mind at the same time, which means that resentment requires a person to be a little bit sophisticated. Some people can only hold one thought in their mind at a time. They're spared the pain of resentment. Resentment requires you to have two thoughts. What are the two thoughts? The first thought is what is going on, a perception of what is going on. 
The second thing is a comparison between that and how things should be, which is my demand. And now you can perceive all you like, unless you're comparing what you see to how you want things to be, then you can't be upset. If you look in the fridge and there is no cheesecake, there is only a problem if you believe there ought to be cheesecake there. I looked in the fridge this morning, there was no cheesecake. Was I upset? No. Why? Because I didn't believe there should have been cheesecake. Very simple. Everything is, you know, the cheesecake analogy works for any kind of upset in your life. Uh, what's the difference between a demand and a preference? Uh, they're essentially the same, except a preference has no emotional charge. If you go to a pizza restaurant and you you want a Fiorentina, but they don't have a Fiorentina, they have uh, a Four Seasons, you're fine. You prefer a Fiorentina, but you don't care. You can have Four Seasons. Um, that's a preference. If you're upset because they don't have the Fiorentina and you're going to eat the Four Seasons in a miserable way, telling everyone what a terrible restaurant is, you've got a demand, not a preference. So that's how you can tell if you're emotionally involved, whatever you call it, it's a demand. Now, if I'm gonna be happy, option number one is to get everyone in the world to behave exactly the way I want them to behave. That's seven billion people and counting. Apparently the seven billion are producing more all the time. So, you know, you it, it, that's option number one. Option number two is get rid of the demands. So we've cataloged the demands so far in the first three columns of the resentment inventory. Our job is to get rid of them. There are three things you can, there are three things you can do with a demand. You can drop it entirely. You can reduce it to a neutral preference, which means it's still there. It's just the emotional charges removed from it, or you can work for its attainment. And the question is, well, how do you work out which? Now, if the demand is to serve some kind of ego goal and a good helpful list is money, sex, power, prestige, comfort, thrills and appearance. Um, uh, some of you, if you're anything like me, would say, but where does a tidy, clean, orderly house or flat fit into that? It's comfort, it's power, it's appearance. OK, <laughs> um, there are days when 90% of my negative consciousness gets filled up with that kind of stuff. It's amazing how little can ruin my whole day. Anyway, back to the point. If the demand serves an ego goal, which is it's housed under one of those seven, it should probably be dropped. If the demand serves a legitimate goal, so that's to do with health and well-being, uh, and then effectively and efficiently and harmoniously serving God. That's why I'm on the planet, apparently. Apparently it's not for me. Apparently it's so that I can be God's um, voice and hands and feet in the world, as is the case with every human being. Uh, if, it's a, if it's a legitimate goal, then you reduce it, then I reduce it to a neutral preference and work for its attainment, which is, people sometimes ask, well, where do boundaries come in? That's where the boundary comes in. If a good example, to be effective during the day, you need to sleep at night, you need to sleep eight hours and it needs to be quiet. It's OK to go and ask the neighbours uh, to be quiet because it's serving a legitimate goal. I'm not going to read the, everything on here. You can All of this is going to be available on, on the blog. Um, so let's have a look at the next bit. It is plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. So the precise extent that we permit these, do we squander the hours that might have been worthwhile? But with the alcoholic, whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, this business of resentment is infinitely grave. We found that it is fatal. For when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves, shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity of alcohol returns and we drink again, and with us to drink is to die. Uh, I'm going to pause just for a moment there. I'm going to cover some of that material later on. But from the Al-Anon point of view, you know, one might say, well, that doesn't apply to me. Well, the thing is, what is what is the drunkenness uh, in the Anon programs? Well, for me, it's where I'm not in reality anymore. I'm in a fantasy world in my head of attack and 
upset and disappointment um, about things which are not happening right now, things which happened in the past, things which happened in the future. The person that appears to be causing the problem is not even in the room, in the house, or in the country, and yet I'm upset, I'm tense. Um, I don't know about anyone else with a tiny little bit of an Al-Anon issue. Uh, it makes me physically sick. Uh, I get physically sick, uh, skin conditions, mouth ulcers, all sorts of other things I'm not gonna mention in mixed company, but there are all sorts of physical conditions which arise in me, digestive system, when, uh, when I'm full of that rage at the world and rushing around and the four M's, martyrdom, management, manipulation, and uh, uh, mothering. When I'm full of those, then I get physically sick. And I see it, I've seen it throughout my whole family as well. So not so far off what you get with uh, alcoholics and alcohol. Anyway, back to the text. If we were to live, we had to be free of anger. The grouch and the brainstorm are not for us. They may be the dubious luxury of normal men, but for alcoholics, these things are poison. We turn back to the list for it held the key to the future. We were prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. We began to see that the world and its people really dominated us. In that state, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had power to actually kill. How could we escape? We saw that these resentments must be mastered, but how? We could not wish them away any more than alcohol. So my little list here, one, two, three, four, nine consequences of resentment. The first one is futility. Have you noticed that if you're really, really angry, the other person's personality does not change? I did not know this. This was news to me. Somewhere in my program is the belief that if I get angry enough, if I get upset enough, somehow the world will realize and bend itself to my will. Unhappiness, well, that one should be pretty clear. Squandered hours. Have you ever driven somewhere and been amazed that you've got there in one piece because you have no recollection of any part of the journey because you've been stuck in your head? Um, have you ever sat there in front of a piece of work realizing you've read the same paragraph eight times because you can't concentrate? Squandered hours. Blockage from spiritual experience. When I'm upset, I fill my entire universe. There is no room for God. Ego is edging God out. Um, and it's like a sort of, uh, it's like a bad cooking smell. It just fills wherever you go in the room, it's there. Insanity. Have you ever noticed the alarmed look in someone else's face when you are off on one of your rants and you realize that this is the effect you're having on the other person and they think they're with a crazy person whilst you're you know, busy explaining to them how they're wrong somehow. Fatality, yet yeah, literally. So uh, years cut off life, uh, uh, suicide, misadventure. There are all sorts of consequences. Imprisonment figuratively and maybe even literally there's uh the the, sh the the musical chicago where all of these women are in prison and one of the songs is he had it coming <laughs> where they each explain why you know the the husband that they killed um had it coming well <laughs> i identify uh i mean not right now you know god bless him in the other room but <laughs> But this, this, uh, but I'm talking about rage and anger in general. Um, I'm frightened at what, where my anger could take me. And lots of emotional autonomy. And this is the killer. If your pride is still intact, when you realize that someone else's behavior is dictating how you feel, it's a little bit embarrassing, isn't it, to realize that you, your emotional life is literally dependent on the good or bad behavior of someone else. Um, and that if your conduct is out of control in that your emotions are in charge of your conduct, other people are literally in charge of the course of your life. So you flip these on their, head, on, on their heads and you end up with a pretty good list of motivations for being rid of resentment. Um, uh, having a purpose in your life is the opposite of futility, happiness, satisfactory use of time, 
spiritual experience, connection with God, sanity, life, freedom, autonomy. If you weren't motivated to get rid of all your emotional upset and become neutral, then these should be pretty good motivations. The entirely different angle is this. We look at each situation from their point of view. And here's the line. This was our course. Bit in blue again, big book. This was our course. We realized that the people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. Now, we covered this notion of being spiritually sick before. What is it? It means I've got the pathogen of ego. This gives rise to the infection of resentment, and this gives rise to all forms of spiritual disease. So if this is true for me, unfortunately, it's true for everyone else. They didn't ask to have an ego any more than I asked to have an ego. Um, I was listening to a story um, about how uh, the angels went to the higher power and said, how come... Uh, how come humans get to, to be on earth and, and, and to have the Torah and to, to try and do your will? We want to have a go. And God says to them, fine, let's see how you do. And they come down to earth and immediately bang. Part of the gift package which comes with being down on earth is having the evil inclination and having therefore free choice between good and evil. And they create even more havoc because they're so much more powerful than the human beings do. So this is the point. If someone is on the planet, they came with the gift package. The gift package is the ego. And this gives rise to the infection of resentment this gives rise to all forms of spiritual disease so if people are behaving badly they've got the same problem as me they are me uh they're powerless not guilty because i mean i don't know about you i did not have the power to do anything about any of these things until i landed in a 12-step fellowship and got given help by the higher power through other people. And I'm going to blame them for not being able to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. As a friend, my friend Jamie says, it's like standing in a bucket trying to uh, lift yourself up by pulling on the handles of the bucket. It doesn't work. Uh, so if I'm upset with someone else for behaving a certain way, uh, I'm not correctly appreciating the human condition. So the answer to powerlessness in my case was empowerment. And I, that empowerment had to come from outside. And other people are mistaken, not sinful, the same way that I am mistaken, not sinful. Uh, the words for sin, in the, the word sin can have lots of uh, emotional connotations, but in lots of languages, there are different words for sin. And lots of them have got to do with error as opposed to like when you're firing an arrow, missing the mark, um, crossing a boundary you're not supposed to cross. They're about mistake. They're about mistake, not sin. And sin calls for judgment and punishment, whereas error calls for comprehension and correction. So, you know, if you're teaching geometry and the kid gets it wrong, you want to understand why he's, get it wrong, why he's got it wrong, help him to understand that and help him to correct that. Uh, footnote, if you're an Al-Anon, I am not God's instrument of divine justice and correction. <laughs> okay, so there's, there's a terrible risk that what I'm always looking out for when I'm talking to other people with a slight Al-Anon issue is how the material could get misused by the Al-Anon pathogen. Um, and that's how. So if someone wants to know how to correct something, they can ask me, but I'm not going to offer it unless they ask me. So the solution is to alter my attitude and to drop the judgment. The judgment is the sense that they shouldn't be like that. Why shouldn't they? They've got an ego, too. They didn't ask for one, but they have one. Um, they're in the same boat as me. Though we did not like their symptoms and the way these disturbed us, they like ourselves were sick, too. So this is where I look to identify with them what might have driven them, especially fear. Have I had the same motivations and fears myself? And to see my own powerlessness and error, um, see their own powerlessness and error mirroring my own. Um, uh, I, I sometimes get upset by political things and it's amazing how often I can be upset um, at the intolerance of a particular political group. 
So you look at a political group and see how intolerant they are of other political groups. And then I'm sitting there self-righteously being intolerant of their intolerance. Um, for every finger pointing out, there are three fingers pointing back. Sometimes the material form that the error is taking in their lives is different than it does in mine, but the motivation is the same. We ask God to help us show the same tolerance, pity and patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. When a person offended, we said to ourselves, this is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? God, save me from being angry. Thy will be done. So the job here is once you've dropped the, you've downgraded the demand to a preference uh, or you've decided this is something I can legitimately work for in a kind of neutral, detached way. Uh, you pray this prayer systematically. This is what I've done. It always, always, always works. Sometimes they're not even sick. Um, they're just going about their own business and getting in my way. That's all. We avoid retaliation or argument. We wouldn't treat sick people that way. There's a line later on in the big book where it says, treat him as if he had pneumonia. If we do, we destroy our chance of being helpful. We cannot be helpful to all people, but at least God will show us how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one. So you can turn that into a prayer. God, show me how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every person that I'm upset about. Um, and so the job is to avoid retaliation and argument both internally and externally. I've had far more internal arguments and retaliations than I have externally, but they're just as damaging internally to treat other people kindly. If you can't be helpful, give them space. That's another little tip for those of us who tend to monitor. I scan and monitor. So um, sometimes I just people that annoy me, I just have to give them space because they know that you're scanning and monitoring them. Um, one of and this is a very subjective point, and I hope it doesn't offend someone, but you go to an AA meeting and no one, everyone's thinking about themselves. It's a very anonymous place. You sit down. No one takes the slightest bit of notice of you. It's 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 just it's such a relief no one knows you're even there occasionally i've been to an uh, occasionally when i've been to an al-anon meeting i get the feeling that you know in mission impossible when there or, or, or similar films where um uh, uh someone's trying to steal a jewel from a museum and there are all of these red laser beams everywhere and the person who's trying to steal the the jewel has to sort of tiptoe carefully in limbo under this laser beam as if he touches one of the laser beams the alarm system will go off i felt i feel that more often in al-anon meetings than i do in aa meetings because i'm guessing other people are doing the same as me scanning monitoring who's doing what is there any danger it's like the 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 uh deer in the forest and I'm, I can be on edge, so I have to bring the focus back to myself. So giving people space, an important thing to do. And so the summary is drop the demand, drop the judgment, look at the situation from their point of view, identify with their powerlessness, develop compassion for that powerlessness, say the prayers, stop fighting and help, but without fixing, changing, controlling, rescuing, manipulating, etc. When I make a list of a hundred ways in which to help. If I then apply the second list without fixing, changing, controlling, rescuing, manipulating, etc., I end up with four. So I've got to be careful as I'm going to repeat the uh, line from Anne Lamott, uh, don't get your help all over people. Help is the sunny side of control. So be careful with the help thing. That's what I need to do. So that's all I'm going to say um, uh, on that. Um, I'm now going to do quietly share things in the background of the chat bubble as other people present on this. Um, so, uh, so I'm going to suggest we do four minutes per person today to get a few people in. Uh, Elisheva, would you like to start us off? Hi, my name is Elisheva. I'm a member of Essanon and Al-Anon. Um, thank you, Tim. Um, I find that resentments themselves are futile in the way that resentments made me promises that they never kept. Resentment told me if I hold on to my resentments, I'll keep an emotional distance from people. And then when I keep an emotional distance, when they do what they do, I won't be hurt. 
And so I would hold on to them. I'd keep an emotional distance. People would do what they do, and I would kept on being hurt. And experience showed me that it's futile. This is not going to protect me. But I had no other tools, so I just kept on holding on to my resentments. And I would go over the first three columns in my head since I'm a little child, who I had a resentment towards, what they did, using a lot more details than the big book would allow, and how, how they hurt me or threatened me. And um, now when I get close to the fourth column, I need to make a change in my perspective in order to put aside what the other person did and look at my own side. Um, I found that I look at people as if they're guilty. And when I say that someone's guilty, I'm saying they could have done better and they chose not to. And then I have a resentment and I'm miserable. And when I'm miserable, it's, just, it's not comfortable for me to be around myself. And it was suggested to start looking at people as being powerless. And powerless means that they that they did the best they could with the tools that they have. And when I look at people as being powerless, I'm given the gift of forgiveness, and it's more comfortable for me to be with myself when I forgive people. And since I have a choice of how I wanna look at things, I get to choose to look at people as powerless and not as guilty. Um, Bob Darrell has a, a workshop on steps four and five, where he says we spent our whole lives playing the role of prosecuting attorney and constantly looking for every reason why people on our list are, are guilty. And now in order to do the fourth column, we need to get up and cross the room and go to the defense team and look for every reason why the people on our list are powerless and why they're innocent. And one of the things that I found most helpful for that is something that I was taught in A Course in Miracles is that everything a person says or does is either an expression of love or an expression of fear. And when, when, am I, when do I feel fear? I feel fear when I'm asleep to the fact that I'm spirit, a part of God, when I forget that I'm, I'm part of God. And when a person is expressing fear, what they're really doing is crying out for love. They're making a request, please remind me that I'm part of God and I'm spirit. And so when a person, anything a person says or does is either an expression of love or a request for love. And I, the only way I can answer people's requests for love is if I forgive them. So I know that when I'm in fear, I behave in unacceptable ways. And so I can understand that when other people are in fear, they also behave in unacceptable ways. And to me today, it's clear that under different circumstances, I could have done exactly the things that people did to me, but for the grace of God, I wasn't put into those circumstances. And so I know that I'm no different than anyone else on my list. Um, to forgive people, I need to know that, that I'm spirit, I'm part of God, that spirit is eternal and can never be changed, which means that no one ever did anything that actually hurt me. And when I identify a spirit, it's clear to me that I don't need anything from anyone. And so it's easier for me to drop my demands. Um, and when I don't have demands, I don't judge and I don't criticize. And from that place, I can be forgiving, accept people as they are and loving. And obviously this is an ongoing process that I don't know if it ever ends. It just keeps on growing and growing. I'll leave it with that. Thank you. Um, Evan, would you like to share? Sure. Hi, I'm Evan, grateful recovery member of Al-Anon. Um, so thank you for the shares or the share. And thank you, Tim, for, for, for setting stuff up. Um, in my addiction program, um, and in the A programs in general, we, we admit that we're powerless over whatever it is we're addicted to. And, and learning in the Anon program that I'm powerless over uh, people. Um, and that's my, that's, that's my addiction. That's where I, I need to, to understand that I have no power. Um, and starting to, to, to get myself and my ego um, out of the way and out of uh, what all these things are and, and what's running running my life um, and getting burned up, getting upset at other people um, and, and how they're doing things. Um, where are my resentments coming from? And, and I found that all my resentments uh, towards other people specifically um, are coming from this idea that people can do something that they can't do. Um, 
So I, I was told, and, and, I, and what I pass on is, if I'm expecting somebody who's never exercised to be able to run a marathon, and I get upset at them if they can't run a marathon, who's making the mistake here? Who's in the wrong here? Um, but my ego tells me that um, my spouse, they should know. My kids say this all the time, that when one of them takes something or steps on something or, or says something to the other, um, but he knows, he knows that I don't like it when he does that. I know that he knows that I don't like when, I, when he takes my toys or, or plays with my things or, or, or whistles, whatever it is. But that's, that's and, and I do the same thing. This person should know that uh, taking an extra five seconds at the stoplight is gonna mean that I'm gonna be late to work. When, and then I'm resentful and I get angry and I, and I get upset. Um, but that's not true. That's that's the story I'm telling myself. Um, I, I don't know what's going on. And one of the things that really, because I don't know, one of the things that really uh, uh, drove this home to me a few years ago, I was driving a program member. We were, we were headed to an intergroup meeting and the car in front of us wasn't moving. And the, the, the person sitting next to me got very upset. Said, oh, they should be moving. The light's green. Um, and finally, the person in front of me swerved out of the lane and went around the car in front of them that was stuck. Um, so the the person was getting upset at something that the person who really wasn't even a, didn't even do anything wrong. They were also stuck. They were also in the same position as we were. And I find that when when I'm getting resentful when I get at other people, that most of the time they're not even at fault um there's there's six or seven other things that are are leading up to this person behaving in the way that they're behaving most of them that were not in that that person's control um so uh when i'm open and willing to discover uh that all of these things are my resentments are of my own making of all these demands that i i have of other people um that are completely unrealistic um in in the most cases and even in in the rare case that the demand is not unrealistic even it, it could be situationally uh the demand is unrealistic um that they the person can essentially run the marathon but it happens that this morning they broke one of their toes and they can't run the marathon so even that uh the demand is it, my demand is is the issue um so always dropping the demand uh and reminding myself over and over again that this person's behavior really has nothing to do with me um the only thing that has to do with me is my reaction to their behavior and how do i then uh go forward and and really work on on my reaction um so and I'll just quickly address uh, question two. Do you continue to forgive to, to continue to forgive persistent offenses? This is a, a an excellent question, and, and the, the issue of forgiveness is something that can be expanded into uh, a, a whole hour um, share or a whole series of of uh, discussions. Um, but I don't forgive people for them. I forgive people for me. Um, the, the point of forgiveness is so I don't go around with the resentment. Um, obviously, if, if their behavior is damaging, is, is dangerous, then I need to, to work out specifically. But if their behavior is they always leave the milk out on the table, um, then I can choose to be upset about the milk out on the table or I can just put the milk away. So... I guess it depends on the what what specifically is the is the issue. And again, the point of forgiveness is so I can go to sleep soundly at night, not so the other person can go to sleep soundly at night. So I'll leave it there. Thank you. Thank you. Uh Risey, would you like to share? Hi, hi, can you hear me? Uh yes, we can. Thank you. Um 
Hi, it's Rivy. Um, thank you for the shares um, for this workshop. Um, for me, I think that um, similar to what we all had, to, what we had today, um, it's when I see when I see so much things that's coming up for me um, in this resentment, and when I see that I have such high expectations of people, um, and I go mad enough, and sometimes I just pray, and I really want it gone, and I just realise this is the demands that I'm having, and this is not this is not reality. This is an illusion. Then it just easier to see it go it's, it's easier to see that it's mine um, um and i think it says the more we fought and try to take our own way to have our own way um so as so as matters got um and then like fighting to get others to do what i wanted and for me it's a big one because i thought it would really it would help and to get others to do what i want but i realized it doesn't really get me it didn't get me anywhere it doesn't get me anywhere um I thought it would make me feel good when I when I was right, when someone gave in to me. Um, it really just left me really a gaping hole. Um, it doesn't really, for me today, it doesn't matter what you think or what you say, what people think or say of me. Um, it's about my spirit, my wholeness, my connection to God that matters today. Um, I read today in The Courage to Change that says, um, it wasn't until, until I saw through the illusion that I was deficient, I needed to look outside myself for wholeness, I began to heal, and this really spoke to me today. Um, it's re the resentment is heavy, and it takes space in my head, and it leaves me out of energy. Um, it doesn't really make me happy. It takes it takes me out of this my reality of living today. And I think, like Tim said, the physical discomfort is something I can relate to as well. Um, for me, everything God today I'm learning that everything God does makes sense, even if it doesn't. Um, I just have to trust and let it go to look at the situations of God is sending me this challenge. It's not them. It's not it's not other people. We're all human, and it won't help to judge to judge them. Um, and I like what Tim said. We're all in the same boat as them. Like when I see my own powerless and errors, um, it's really my own stuff. Thank you for listening. Thank you, uh, Osha. Would you like to share? And I'm Oshara. Thank you. Um, I thank you everyone who shared up till now. Um, very, very helpful for me to review this over and over and over again because of all the questions that were asked, right? In other words, over and over and over again, learning how to put up boundaries in particular situations. Um, my experience is sometimes the boundaries don't work. In other words, meaning things don't happen the way I would like them to after I put up the boundary and then I'm left with my demands of, but you're not listening to the boundary, right? And so then I have to um, find ways to deal because I don't wanna live in resentment anymore. Um, I just wanna remind everyone that the point of the fourth step is to um, clean myself out from the things that are not um, my God spark um, so that I can get closer and closer to higher power. And so um, it can be very hard for me to be, be honest because my ego, again, muffles my um, perception of reality and I get very confused. And that's one of the reasons that I consult other people. Um, the last couple of times that I've done a four-step, it was suggested to me to call other people, not just the person that I was giving the four-step over to, not just my sponsor. Um, and that's always been very, very helpful to me. Um, I just wanted to say that I too use the four-step uh, prayer daily because um, there's always people in my life who I have some kind of demand on and I don't want to see them anymore through the eyes of that demand. Um, I have done a lot of work on forgiveness in the last couple of years. Um, I, I want to share about those people who we may have what we perceive to be a justified resentment against, right? Let's remember that the big book tells us that there's no justified resentment um, and that a life of resentment is, is futile. And so um, I have had a conversation with people in recovery over the last couple of years about how, I can, how can I possibly forgive? And my experience has been that um, they're probably misunderstanding the idea of what it means to forgive. Um, I read uh, the blog posts on Tim's blog about forgiveness um, every day, 
and um, it's helped me immensely to do as much work on myself that I can to forgive people in my life who um, I, I'm, I'm not necessarily going to call them sick because that that for me invokes some judgment about them, but um, they're not necessarily the healthy people that I would like to spend a lot of time with. Um, I don't always have a choice about the, um, let me let me rephrase that. Sometimes I, I certainly have a choice with regard to the people who are in my life, um, but I make a choice to have people in my life sometimes who are not the healthiest people that I would choose to be around. Um, for example, because one of them is the father of my children. And if I want to have anything to do with my kids, then I need to deal with the father of my children. And so sometimes there are people in my life who I make a conscious decision to keep in my life, though they keep what we what someone asked about offending, right? And so my job, so that I can stay close to higher power, so that I can do an 11th step and constantly be asking higher power, what does higher power need for me now? Okay, the next moment, what does higher power need for me now? Um, and have that open communication with my higher power is to to forgive and um, sometimes it feels like I'm being asked to be the hugest saint in the entire universe it, did, does everyone see the halo right and so um, and I just you know I, that's part of my ego coming down to right size and getting closer and closer to higher power thanks thank you um Basha would you like to share Yeah, sure. I'll share quickly. Um, I'm Basha, grateful recovering member of Al-Anon. Um, I just want to say it's one idea that floating around in my mind. Um, this idea of like putting demands on the world. And like, for example, I have a comical one. I have this idea that all I demand that all mothers should be healthy. I was demanding my mother should be healthy. Um, and then I thought about it a little bit, and in God's world, what, is one, what does it take to become a mother? Um, the answer is you have to have sex, that's all. <laughs> you don't have to be healthy. Um, and it was really a, this revelation for me, like that's so funny, because like, if I ran the world, if I were God, all mothers would be healthy. And, but I don't run the world. And my demands on the world are not necessarily what God's demands on the world are. My, my standards for everyone are so much higher than God's standards. Um, bizarre. <laughs> not, not sure if I'm making sense. But um, I've, I've just had to, I've had to learn to let go of all of these demands that I put on the world and that I put on other people, because ultimately they just keep me trapped and they make me really unhappy. Um, that's all I got. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you. Um, I'm not sure if you'd finished or if the sound disappeared, but anyway, Emma, would you like to pick us up from there? Um, thank you for all your shares. Thank you, Tim, for the presentation. Um, there's a Rabbi Chase Taub uh, talk, and it says at the beginning of it that resentment imprison me, imprisons me. It's like lighting myself on fire so that the other person dives a smoke inhalation. I just love that idea because it pretty much sums up what resentment is about. I literally spent years, like everyone else, judging what's right and wrong for me and living in this world of demands. Um, I showed up to all situations with that demand. This is what I need. I'll show you what I need, meet my demands and everything will be sweet and light. And the thing is, life isn't like that because there's somebody else in the equation and often a lot of other people in the equation. When I judge what's right and wrong, um, I decide if somebody measures up and that demand of that, the truth was I get this choice whether I want to be right or happy. I don't always get the choice of both. Um, and sometimes when I looked at these resentments and I wanted to be happy, I felt responsible for the other person's actions then. If I say this, uh, this resentment is, is, you know, I want to get rid of it. And my sponsor often says to me that others are 100% uh, 
100% responsible for their actions and I am 100% responsible for my actions and reactions. Um, the responsibility of my reactions to what even what I think happens, that's what the key is here. Um, that different angle, I find this so hard. Um, I want to play this innocent victim, this self-righteous behavior. You know, it's not my fault. I, I don't want this. I don't want to take a part. I don't even want to take responsibility for my reactions. Um, but then when I take a step back and I realize what I have done, when I have let myself loose, when I've said things I didn't mean to say and done things I didn't mean to do, I kind of start to see the other person because really hurt people hurt people. And that's what it comes down to. Um, the person may not even be spiritually sick um, and that's the flip for me. They just need compassion. Um, I realized I had a choice when I was going through with these people. Elisheva said it, it's like guilty or uh, powerless and the guiltiness of whether these person, this person should have done it this way, they chose to do it a different way, therefore they are guilty or I get to choose that they're powerless and that, you know, they're just doing the best they can do with the tools they have. And interestingly enough, I like to be judged like that. And um, when I when I look at it that way, I get an awareness. Um, we're all God's children. We're doing the best we can. There's no difference. God has no grandchildren. Um, and that was really, really a flip side for me when I came into program to see other people from that angle. And it starts to feel real. And it's often not even personal. A couple of years back, I met an old teacher of mine in the street and I loved this teacher. I thought she was, she was the one that made me feel like I could do it. I could really do it. And I saw her in the street and I waved and she didn't wave back. And then I waved again and she didn't wave back and she was looking straight at me. And I thought, oh my gosh, what have I done? And this whole story was going on in my head of what she had done. And uh, what I'd done in the, as a child, maybe I need to make amends, maybe I need to do something. I've done this whole, this whole story came along. Um, I decided to cross the street. Um, I was in program at the time. I decided to cross the street and go and say hello. And when I got close, I saw she was holding something for a blind person. And I realized it's not that she didn't see me, it's that she couldn't see me. And I'd taken this whole story and made it all about me. And there's a, in my tradition, there's a thing of, of being, um, of being, you know, seeing people, giving them the benefit of the doubt. And that was my moment of maybe that's what my life should be like. Just give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, so that brought me to prayer. I had an awareness. I understood. I just said this process, the reality of what really is that life isn't always a picnic, but I still have to move forward with it. And that brought me to prayer. I strengthen myself through the connection to God. That's what I do. When my resentments come up, even sometimes they re-come up, they resurface and I can't get rid of them. I talk to God. I ask him to help me. I see the awareness. These people don't mean it, but I still need to talk to God. I take my little human brain out of the equation and I pray and I pray and I pray. And I remember I don't have to like the symptoms of the disease, but I can have compassion for the person. So God gives me the power to change. And that's the key for me. He shows me. I ask to be shown. He comes in, he changes me. Uh, there's a, a saying by Albert Einstein, no problem can be solved from the same level of consciousness that created it. And that's it. It's God. God's the answer. I think the process opens my eyes. It gives me a different perspective on life. I bring this into my daily life. It's all the time. This is not just for the bridge. This is forever. This is something I need to hold on to. Forgiveness is the key for me to be peaceful. And I love this. I love that at the end of the day, I say a prayer to ask for forgiveness for everyone and everything and that I'm okay then when I go to sleep after my step 11 I can go to sleep in peace because I'm okay I've forgiven everyone in my heart I've done the best I can do today and I move forward and you know that moving forward shows me where my part is in this and that's I suppose next week thank you for listening thank you uh Daniel would you like to share Thanks, Tim. Um, definitely don't have that much more to add after all these amazing uh, speakers. Uh, the one thing I wanted to say was, um, was something that, uh, that, that's often said, um, and that is that resentments uh, are um, premeditated expectations. And um, for me, what I realized about that 
is that um, for every resentment that I have, there's an expectation behind it that wasn't uh, that wasn't fulfilled. I've expected them to be something different than they are, or I, I expect, expected a different outcome from the one that I was hoping for. And it really ties into uh, my crazy list of demands that I have for this world. And uh, as we began this whole process of me being the actor um, and the director and the, uh, and everything else running the entire stage show. So um, when, when I let go of my expectations, um, then, uh, you know, then my emotional sobriety isn't, it's not worth it. It's a little bit about connected to what Tim was saying before from the non point of view. Um, it's my emotional sobriety that I'm trying to hold on to. And it's not worth losing that emotional sobriety uh, by expecting different things from what people are. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you. We've got a, a couple of minutes left. Is there anyone who'd uh, like to come in and share? If you would, then uh, reveal your camera and wave and I'll ask you. Oh, oh actually, we've got a we've got someone here. Devori, would you like to share? Hi, I'm Devori. Um, thank you for all your shares. It was very helpful to me and I'm very happy to have heard all this. For me, um, in my experience, my resentments came, um, it was a way of life for me. It was actually my favorite thing to do, to meditate in everyone else's wrongs because I lived, as long as I lived with the belief that, um, you know, I can wrestle satisfaction and happiness out of life if I manage well, then it was either I was an incompetent manager or everyone else was wrong and it was much more preferable to me to see that everyone on the planet is wrong and has wronged me. And um, actually, yeah, what the big book is saying on page 66, is it leads to a very unhappy existence. And as my perceptions started changing with step two and step three, um, then I could come in and see that if I am powerless and I am not in control, then other people also aren't powerless or in control and this it's not that this existence works just for me and everyone else is just doing it wrong and that's why I'm hurt it's it's I'm giving my will and life over to God and then this living in resentment doesn't seem to fit there um it is um helpful for me to see that this new way of looking at the world was putting God as a director I can it's not I can put this for everyone else and this prayer of praying God help me see this person in a more kind and tolerant view help me see them as powerless as fearful as just doing their best with the tools they have and they're not really affecting me because I am a spirit of God and God is running my life he is the director and no one else is the director so no one else can come in and hurt me um there's also a prayer that I heard, I don't remember from which talk it was, it was God help me see this person through your eyes and hear them through your ears. And it's, I find when I pray this, I, I take my understanding of my higher power, which is of a loving higher power who loves me no matter what. I can look at this person and see they're doing their best and they're, I can try I can try and just feel compassion for them and see that they're not out to get me and even if it does look like that to me they can't get me anyway and it's not about it's not about what they I don't have to see their intentions in that way um and with this comes forgiveness for me um I can see that it's my um I think that if I'm treated in a specific way and people give me that validation in the way that I want it, then I will be okay. Um, and when my new understanding is that I will be okay when I have conscious contact with my higher power, and that's all that I need to be okay, it's not so important what the other person did. From my point of view, I don't have to hold on to them. I don't have to try and destroy them or hold on to what they're doing because what they're doing is between them and God. Um, it, it starts to have very little to do with me. Thank you for your shares.
Thank you so much, everyone. I'm afraid that's all we've got time for today. Uh, the recording will become available um, via the blog later on today. All of the materials for today have already been uploaded onto the blog, including seven or eight other support, supporting readings for the topics that we've covered today. So um, same time next week, and thank you to everyone who participated. Um, same time next week for uh, uh, to carry on with the so-called fourth column. Someone's just asked where the blog is. It was posted earlier. I'm, if you'll give me just a moment, I'll repost the links. Uh, if you've got a link to get to this meeting, you'll have a link to the blog as well. But uh, here are the links again. Anyway, so there you go. So grab those before the meeting uh, shuts down or contact me, Emma, Evan, O'Shea or Ellie Sheva uh, directly and we can we can help you or Daniel or any of the other regulars, Sarah Rivka. Um, so would you please help me close with this serenity prayer? Feel free to unmute. God. Grant me the serenity.